Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Okay, I'm not sure if we need to be concerned or not, but we have a loose emo in Virginia, and animal control officers are saying the emu has been on the loose for a couple of weeks now, and no one knows where it came from. And they're looking to find it and catch it. Emus are fast. They can run like 30 miles an hour. So it's not like you're walking up and catching it. And they're big birds. I mean, they're like the second largest bird in the world. Uh, The ostrich, I believe, is bigger than the emu. And I thought, well, okay, one emu in Virginia, no problem. Well, now I see that we have a loose emu in Florida. So that means that we have at least two emus on the loose roaming states and people should be concerned. They're not nice birds. Now they don't normally harm humans, but they could, they could peck your eyes out in a heartbeat. And I mean, no, you're not catching them at 30 miles an hour. So be prepared. If I'm not saying put it down, you should call the animal control officers. Absolutely. But if there's a loose emu running around your state, someone may be dropping off emus and controlling them as the bird whisper, the emu whisper, they may be trying to take over the U.S. And we cannot have that. So just be on the alert for loose emus in your neighborhood. And don't approach the emus, okay? Don't do it. Not for not. They could be mean. They could be mean. It's very possible, and you don't want to be attacked by an emu. Trust me. Welcome, welcome to chewing the fat. You know, if the last two years have taught us anything at all, it's that you must take control of your own health. It's clear that you can't simply rely on the government or big pharma to protect you or your family. That's where Z-Stack comes in. Z-Stack is a specially formulated immune-boosting supplement that includes zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and I keep wanting to call it Quercetin. Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. But really, it's... Quercetin. Yeah, like I said, the uh, immune-boosting supplement (laughs) includes zinc, Vitamin C and vitamin D. Formulated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, the world-renowned doctor that uh, President Trump credited with his successful early treatment protocol and his decision to take hydroxychloroquine. Z-Stack has been scientifically formulated, is kosher and GMP certified, and it's produced right here in the United States of America. By taking Z-Stack daily, you are supercharging your immune system. Z-Stack is formulated to help combat any and all variants, as well as the flu. So I encourage you to start taking it now. Stay ahead of any potential future variants by preparing your immune system. By ordering Z-Stack, you're going to become part of the Z family and receive exclusive updates from Dr. Zelenko on this pandemic. Go to ZStackLife.com slash Jeffy today. Enter the promo code Jeffy. Get the discount off your first order. ZStackLife.com slash Jeffy. 
promo code Jeffy gets you that discount off your first order. Don't forget that it is a supercharged immune boosting supplement, zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D. ZStackLife.com slash Jeffy, promo code Jeffy. So Pew Research has just posted their public's top priority for 2022. Now, the data in this report is drawn from the panel wave conducted from January 10th to January 17th of this year, 2022, and includes oversamples of Asian, Black, and Hispanic Americans in order to provide more precise estimates of the opinions and experiences of these smaller demographic subgroups. These oversampled groups are weighted back to reflect their correct proportions in the population. A total of 5,128 panelists responded out of 5,850 who were sampled for a response rate of 88%. The cumulative response rate accounting for non-responsive to the recruitment surveys and attrition is 3%. The breakoff rate among panelists who logged onto the survey and completed at least one item is less than 1%. The margin of sampling area for this full sample of 5,128 respondents is plus or minus 2 percentage points. There, got that out of the way. So you know... (laughs) (laughs) You know how perfect this is then, right? Okay. So strengthening the economy is the public's top concern, according to this poll. 71% strengthening economy. That's kind of misleading because I think we all have different ideas of what needs to be done to strengthen the economy. And it goes all the way down to the top 18. (laughs) I know, I can't. 18 uh, things on the list. Strengthening the economy is number one, 71%. Reducing health care costs, 61%. That's number two. Uh, dealing with coronavirus outbreaks, 60% of the respondents think that is a top priority for 2022. And that's number three. Improving education, securing social security, uh, defending against terrorism, improving the political system, ha! reducing crime, improving job situation. Those are all above 50%. 52% on up to 71%. Like I said, strengthen the economy as number one. Now, the bottom nine of the 18 are uh, under 50%, uh, starting with uh, dealing with immigration, reducing budget deficit, addressing criminal justice system, dealing with problems of poor people, dealing with climate change, addressing issues around race, strengthening, I mean, uh, we don't we address issues around race every day in this country? 37% believe that that needs to be strengthened in 2022. Uh, strengthening the military, dealing with global trade, Dealing with drug addiction, that was the bottom. That was number 18 at 31%. Interesting how climate change really doesn't pay that much attention to. 42% say that's something that we need to be concerned with and address in 2022. But uh, let's take a look at the breakout between um, white, Hispanic, and black polars. Uh, They're all pretty much the same on the economy, which is why it was number one, Uh, 58% white, uh, 70% Hispanic, 73% black, strengthening the economy. Um, I mean, a lot. uh, It's it's quite a jump 
Um, actually, now that I read it out loud, 58% of white people want to strengthen the economy. 70 and 73% of black want to strengthen the economy. Incredible. Uh, climate change. Let's see where we're at on climate change. Yeah, 58% of whites dealing with climate change. 66 and 68% of Hispanic and blacks. Addressing issues around race. 45% white. 53 and 75% of Hispanic and blacks believe that we should address issues around race. Uh, the only thing bigger really was uh, 84% and a seven, wow, 79, 80, and 84% dealing with the coronavirus outbreak. And I'm sure that's a different way to deal with it. Like, <laughs> I'd like to see uh, some breakouts of that on how you deal with it, right? Because uh, uh, my dealing with it is uh, it's over. All right, let's move on. And I'm sure that many of those people do not believe in uh, saying that it's over. Because I get it. It's not over, but it is over. We've had enough of the mandates and the lockdowns. And just tell us we're sick, stay home. Make sure that we have an idea of what we need to do to avoid getting the coronavirus. And then uh, be on our way. This is America. Good luck. God bless. That's what needs to happen. Looks as though those numbers are leaning in that direction. Uh, when you look at the breakout from uh, age groups on dealing with COVID-19 as the top priority, uh, last year, uh, through all age groups from 18 to 65 plus, we're right about 80%. I mean, it was 75% for the 18 to 49-year-olds. But the 50 to 64 and 65 plus were all 80% as that needed to be the top priority. This year, uh, 18 to 49, 54%, 61% in the 50 to 64 age, 72% still high in the 65 plus, And those are the most vulnerable people. Uh, wow. I mean, that's so the numbers are definitely dropping as far as dealing it with it as a top priority. When you break it out into uh, Republican leaning and Democratic leaning age group members, uh, what a huge difference. Uh, this year, 32% 18 to 49, 34% 50 to 64, 44% 65 plus. Wow. That's why you're seeing those mandates go away. But you flip that around a little bit, and while it's gone down, it hasn't gone down, uh, you know, 18 to 49, it's 73%. This is among the Democrat-leading uh, pollsters, the, the poll takers. Uh, last year was 90%. Um, uh, 50 to 64 is 85%. It was almost 100% last year, 99% between the 50 and 64-year-old age groups, and 65-plus was almost 100 as well. 96, and that is still 95%. And those are the Democrat-leading uh, poll takers. So the numbers are still going down, just not as big a drop as the Republican-leading uh, poll takers. But the numbers overall have gone down. So that's why you're seeing some of those mandates go away. Anyway, that's uh, you know the Pew Research Center, and I told you how they got to these numbers. And they break it out uh, in other breakouts too, which is just uh, riveting, 
<laughs> riveting. <laughs> I know. I love this stuff, though. Uh, I just, I, it just makes me, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it makes me, but I like it. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh, so good. So, so good. You know, I see, I told, we've talked about it before, but I see where once again, every couple of months, two or three months in there, quarterly, we got to have big stories about insects. And I see once again, the New York Times, uh, the headline of the story is the joy of cooking insects. It's a matter of numbers. The world's population is booming. So too is agriculture production to meet the growing demand for food. Yet agriculture, particularly the production of meat, is a big driver of environmental harm. Is it? I'm not reading the story anymore. I just wanted to point out that once again, uh, the joy of cooking insects is makes it rears its ugly head. <laughs> and I say, how about no, no, uh, I'm not going to have the joy of cooking insects. Now I may actually enjoy cooking insects, but not to eat. So no, no joy of cooking insects to eat that's not going to happen wow so the super bowl got uh, 112.3 million viewers across nbc's telemundo peacock nbc sports digital nfl digital platforms yahoo sports mobile properties and nbc proper 112.3 million viewers uh it's pretty huge that's, that's a number of uh people watching that doggone game and that's way up way up now they had nbc had the uh, 114.4 million people watching the 2015 game between the patriots and the seahawks that was uh you know that was their the most watched game in 2015 so after last year less than 100 million with the buccaneers and the chiefs they had uh, like 91.6 million or whatever. I mean, it was really low. Uh, it was just going to be another Tom Brady win, which it was, but it was Brady and Mahomes. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a pretty big game, but it was for sure that Tampa was going to beat Kansas city. Sorry, Casey. It just was the halftime show, uh, was up 7%, only 7%. The huge, praised ever great Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Blige and Snoop Dogg and Kendrick Lamar. Uh, you know, I, okay. It was a top 10 hit too. I mean, they had 103.4 million viewers in the 8:15 to 8:30 PM Eastern time slot, but only 7% up from the weekend, which means that, uh, yeah, well, you know, the halftime show is great and we like it. And, you know, we, we are glad that you're giving us, uh, you know, great entertainment, but just continue to give us great entertainment. It doesn't, you don't have to try to overdo it for the halftime show. Just give us great entertainment. We're going to stick around and watch it. That would be great. Thank you. And I know that they're loving the idea that it was Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams bringing in, uh, you know, the, uh, the audience. I think Joey Burrow, 
uh, could take a little bit more credit than uh, Stafford. Uh, I would say America was there to watch Joe Burrow rather than Matthew Stafford. Sorry, Matthew. I love you. Well, not really. But, uh, I mean, I you know, you were okay, and you're a great quarterback, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed watching you, and you're with the Rams now, and, yeah, yeah, you struggled with the Lions all those years. I got it. But it just, you know, Joe Burrow was the quarterback draw this year, not you, okay? I know that uh, they had uh, seven, a little over 70,000 in attendance at SoFi, which was huge. And that stadium is beautiful. I have not, I would love to see a game in that studio, in that stadium. It's beautiful. And I'm disappointed that I have not, not seen the stadium in person yet. It's in LA, Jeff. Have you been out there? No, no, I haven't. And NBC's happy, you know, because they're going to, they got out of the Super Bowl as fast as they could. I know they went to the post game and, had the marriage proposal and the, you know, the confetti flying and here's the Super Bowl trophy and it looks great. Let's go to the Olympics. Let's get to the Olympics because uh, nobody's watching the Olympics. So the audience uh, bleed over from the Super Bowl will help those numbers and they are desperately needed to help the Olympics. And uh, I've got some ideas, NBC, to, you know, boost your Olympic viewership, but you should have called me earlier because... Uh, I ain't going to help you now. And I'm sure the airlines were all happy. They added direct flights from LA to Cincinnati, uh, Delta, United American. They all added extra flights to, uh, to LA from Cincinnati. And there were extra flights going into LAX as it is, but there were plenty of private jets. I mean, every year at the Super Bowl, there's a, you know, there's a backup of the private jets uh, coming in and out and you can't just park them. There's only so many parking spaces for the private jets. Now you can, you know, land, offload, and then go park the plane someplace else. And sometimes it's cheaper to land uh, someplace else and then drive into LA where you would stay and go to the game and then drive back to the airport. So there are, according to the 750 parking spots for planes at five area airports, LAX, Hollywood Burbank, Van Nuys, Hawthorne, and Long Beach. Private planes can reserve a parking spot at one of those five airports. Yeah, good luck. Or you can drop off your client and then fly out, which is the, I mean, you can, then you can fly. You can stay in Santa Ana, Santa Monica, Ontario. I mean, there are plenty of places. Or you can go down to San Diego and park there for a little while. And, and you know, I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back in a few hours and pick you up. But there's no parking. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that happens at all the Super Bowls. You know, they were, would fly into Tampa last year and then they would go park in uh, Orlando or down in Miami or my, when the game is in Miami, they park up in Tampa, they park at the smaller lots. And it, sometimes it's easier, again, like I said, to fly into the other place and just stay there and drive to where, you know, your final destination instead of trying to fly in and out. Uh, so whatever, I mean, I know people were all wound up. I saw the, oh, 140 private jets left the Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point on this, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, from a uh, uh, Twitter handle, uh, at Tandy's Tandyland, with the title Sex, Drugs, and Fan Fiction. Uh, flight map, uh, he posted on his Twitter account, or they did. They, them, did. Uh, the flight map showing 140 plus private jets that left the Super Bowl. His tagline is, but yeah, 
it's the poor people and their use of straws and plastic grocery bags that are causing the most damage to the earth. And I will say, um, I don't, you know, either way is foolish, but, uh, if you're going to make that argument, that's an actual decent argument on Reddit. I saw where one person wrote, uh, yeah, so rich. They can just casually fly across the country to watch a game and make it back in time before bedtime. Yep. That's the way you do it. And, uh, according then there, you know, everybody's got to chime in on that. You know, my dad's a jet pilot and people do that every day for a lot less. I mean, we just talked about, I wonder if our buddy, Alec, Alec Baldwin used a private Jeff jet to fly in and out of, uh, London when he went there for his lunch date the other day. So, I mean, it happens, right? If you could fly to Disney and then come home for the day, uh, if you could, uh, hey, let's go to that restaurant in Kansas City and you fly into KC, you have some barbecue and you fly back home. That'd be awesome. If you could do it, why wouldn't you? That would be tremendous, right? I mean, my... My first wife, before we were married, her and her girlfriend, we lived in uh, Tampa Bay, the greater Tampa Bay area. Her and her girlfriend used to hop one of the, they're not, it wasn't a private flight, but it's one of those, uh, you know, smaller jets that seat 30 people. You know, I know that they fly, they do a lot of that between uh, into Vegas from L.A., and, uh, you know, from LA to down. So it's still like, they used to go down to Miami shopping and then fly back uh, the same day. So, I mean, if you could do that, and it was your own plane, <laughs> uh, that would be even better. And instead of having to share it with 29 other people, Ugh. <laughs> uh, you know, if you could, you would, you know that you can quote me on that. If you could, you would, which is why I don't blame him if he did. And, you know, as a side note, yes, you did hear the gun cocking and the gun go off when I mentioned his name. That's the rules. Rules of the show. Okay, what is happening around the world? Let's just take a quick trip around the world. We're talking about, uh, you know, flights uh, flying in and out of L.A. and the Super Bowl and flying private. I see where a Russian aircraft has buzzed our Navy patrol planes uh, this past week. Uh, How about no? Uh, How about you back off? All right. Something bad is going to happen. Apparently... Uh, One of our planes is flying over the Mediterranean. We claim that we were flying in international airspace over the Mediterranean Sea at the time of these intercepts. Oh, okay. They happened in the same general area. All the incidents happened in the same general area of the eastern Mediterranean over several days. The official uh, told ABC News it's unclear whether there was any connection with large-scale Russian naval exercises being held there. Thank you. 
<laughs> you think, er, we can't figure that one out. Now, the good news is the United States has used diplomatic channels to raise concerns to Russian officials. So it's fixed. You don't even have to worry about it. Look, nobody was hurt. Uh, we just don't like those interactions that could result in uh, miscalculations and mistakes that could lead to more dangerous outcomes. So how about you back off a little bit? In fact, they were reporting that one of them were, you know, within five feet of the plane. I mean, now you're getting a little, <laughs> you're getting into my space, man. <laughs> don't be squaring up on me. Now, nobody wants to go to war, but don't square up on me like that. Don't do it. All right. Then we have the U.S. Navy again uh, denying that uh, Russia has claimed a secret U.S. military piece of equipment. <laughs> so apparently a Virginia-class nuclear submarine that was allegedly operating within the country's territorial waters. Russia is a little unhappy. The Moscow-based uh, pro-agency, the Avia pro-agency, right? Avia, A-V-I-A dot pro-agency, reported on Tuesday that uh, Russia had obtained what the agency described as a sonar countermeasure device which a U.S. Navy submarine had allegedly abandoned when it left the area. Now, two questions. Did we abandon it? Or did we, just, or did we leave it there? Uh, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like an answer. But the re- and I'm sure I'll get one. Um, the report comes amid tensions along, yeah, the Russian-Ukrainian border. Uh, thank you. So uh, now the device uh, found off the island of Europe. In the Kuril Island chain, Uh, I guess they claim that the submarine had fired the device after Russian forces used a weapon against the submarine. So they're saying, hey, they used some kind of weapon against us and we did this. And, uh, you know, the Secretary of Defense spokesperson said that, uh, oh, this is this is untrue. These claims are nonsense and disinformation. Are they? Okay. All right. Uh, Russia claimed that uh, one of its naval vessels chased away a U.S. submarine. Okay. Does that make you feel better? Does it make the lad feel better to say that they chased away one of our subs? I'd like to believe that that didn't happen. I'd just like to believe, no, you're not chasing our subs away. Although, if our subs are in their waters and they find us there, maybe they did chase us away. I don't know. Let's get out of here before we get attacked. It's possible. So we got that going on. That's good news, right? And then we have a cargo ship out in the Atlantic carrying 4,000 Porsches and Volkswagens, if you care about Porsches and Volkswagens. It's on fire. Yeah, it's about the size of a couple of football fields, and there's some footage of the ship. It's on fire. Ah, don't worry about it okay what's that smoke over there if you're out in the atlantic on a cruise ship don't worry about that other boat that's out there i'm sorry ship that's out there on fire that's not one of ours that's just a ship that's headed to north america it's got porsches and volkswagens on it and it's fine and it's it's been uh, the portuguese navy is on it so that's good i mean you you can trust the portuguese navy to be on it like blue bonnet the uh, 22 crew on board have been reported evacuated safely so i guess we're just gonna let it burn (laughs) okay 
Uh, we just, uh, you just let him go. You just let it sink. I mean, I find that uh, maybe if I'm Porsche and, and Volkswagen, it might cost more to try to save it, right? So we just let it burn. If it burns out, we'll go and rescue it. If it sinks, ah, eh, it sinks. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, uh, no problem. Um, I'd be, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear what, uh, what happens with that. And then you come back to the United States and you hear that we have counterfeit parts found in U.S. nuclear plants. Oh, that it though? Yeah, don't worry about it. Some of those counterfeit parts have been discovered in the, the nuke plants. Uh, you know, and I love the story, potentially increasing the risk of a safety val- failure. Yeah, that would potentially increase the risk, wouldn't it? I mean, it's just a, just a thought. Now, I know that, uh, you know, we all are for the nuke plants, aren't we? Uh, it just, I find it since we are now turning around and really, you know, nuclear power is starting to get turned around and people are going, you know, that's, that's been pretty good and pretty stable power for the, the world. And uh, we should really start building more. Now, all of a sudden, we find a report that says, oh, we found a bunch of counterfeit parts at these plants. It's terrible. We can't have that happen. No, we can't have that happen. But I'd like to find out uh, if this is actually true, uh, where the parts came from, how long the parts were there, and uh, you know who placed them there. That's just me, though. Okay, I know they say that a hundred incidents involving counterfeit, fraudulent, or suspect items in agency reactors in 2021. All right, so they're not all counterfeit. uh, They're not all fraudulent, and some are just suspect items. So, anyway, I don't know. I mean, counterfeit parts found at reactors have included an emergency services water pump shaft. Man, do I hate counterfeit service water i mean i'm sorry emergency service water pump shafts temperature temperature sensors used to identify steam link line breaks and breaker switches meant to prevent fires the report did not name nuclear reactors involved or the origin of the parts yeah we need to know that and uh, i mean they need to know obviously with their investigation and plus if the counterfeit part works what's the big deal now, I mean, are we saying that they're counterfeit because they weren't stamped by the federal government? And so the reactors are trying to save some money. And so the parts are not stamped by the government, but the parts could still be good, right? I'd, be, I'd like to hear what the old Department of Energy has to say on that. And then, of course, we have the new Department of Energy guy. He's the guy, right? The, the pup guy we talked about, uh, the freak. I'm sorry, not a freak. I apologize. I apologize. What's his name? Dan. Dan something. Dan Bitten. Button. Bitten. The pup guy that, you know, leads guys that want to pretend to be dogs around. He's part of the Department of Energy, right? So he's on it. He's on it. Don't worry about it then. I don't even know why I brought it up. I will say, though, uh, where I live here in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, today has been a very busy day, uh, military airplane-wise. Uh, if you can listen now, you might be hearing another one fly over. They're going crazy today. What is going on? What is going on? Oh, nothing? I don't know why I brought it up then. Never mind. 
So if you have been watching 1883, uh, I am really enjoying 1883 uh, on Paramount+. And another Taylor Sheridan hit. Apparently, uh, they, uh, they've already re-upped 1883 for season two. And they are creating another prequel series. This one titled 1932. Just, uh, you know, amazing success. Yellowstone finale had like 11 million total uh, watching it, which is huge numbers for them. I guess... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the Paramount Network had 9.3 million, and then they added the CMT simulcast, which uh, and the encore airing, which gave them uh, 11 million. So, I mean, that's huge, right? And there's other streaming stuff that they didn't even add on to that. So, I mean, you're looking for season five will be happening, no doubt. I'll be surprised, maybe they'll just end Yellowstone at season five or six, whenever Costner gets tired of being a part of it. And then uh, you'll get back to 1883 and 1932 uh, getting into it. 1883 has been amazing. Uh, It's been really, really good. Last episode was, uh, you know, laying the groundwork for the future. I mean, we know the end, right? We know the ending. They get to Montana and they get, you know, they get the ranch, the Dutton's ranch, but, uh, the process of getting there is, uh, very, very entertaining. And they're at the end of the wild, wild West. The country is getting cut up. Uh, they're still, you know, looking to get there. The reason that they're traveling, most of these people are traveling to Oregon. is because the land is still free there. They can get out there and stake their own land. People from Europe came over and they don't want to go to Colorado because it might be safer there now. You know, they don't want to cross uh, the mountains during the winter, but uh, they can't get land for free in Colorado. That's already cut up. That's done. That's, uh, you know, that's done deal. But the land is still free, uh, you know, north and west. So uh, they want to continue on. It's really good. And it's really, you know, it's been a fun ride. And I can see why we want to keep it going. So that means what that tells me, though, if they're going to keep with 1883, that means we're going to have uh, a lot of episodes that are going to be slowing down the process. (laughs) A number of Phil episodes. Uh, Tonight's episode is going to be just this county that we're in. We're not going to be traveling. (laughs) We're not going to be jumping ahead so fast because we want to continue the series. But uh, it's been worth it. It's been a fun ride. And what it also does is it brings back what the country was, man, and how people thought. And it's really amazing. Uh, Taylor's been doing a really good job on that. And, you know, I mean, yeah, he sucks. But (laughs) he's been doing a great job on that. And it really does. Like last week's episode was uh, the... The main guy is uh, talking about uh, barbed wire, and uh, the one guy taking you know the the trail boss is like I never I never I don't know what that is, and he tells him what barbed wire is, and he says they're just gonna cut up the country and into rectangles and cut it up. You know, it's, it's the one thing that cattle won't go through, and so uh, pretty amazing. And they do run into some buffalo. Uh, they got across the the main Indian plain area with the help of uh, the one. A Comanche leader, and that's part of the show, but uh, because he fell in love with with the uh, with the blonde girl, lightning with the yellow hair, 
and I'm almost positive, and this is just me talking now, I'm almost positive that there weren't any lightning with the yellow hair crossing the plains at that time, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I've seen some of the photographs of that time, and you don't see a lot of women looking like that. But, you know, I could be wrong. Oh, and if you're one of the people who call Facebook workers uh, Facebookers, um, don't do it, okay? Because uh, they just had a big meeting, all-hands meeting, at uh, Meta with Mark Zuckerberg. And he wants to have people who work there now called Metamates. <laughs> so, good. Hey, that's important. Uh, I don't want to be called Facebookers anymore. We're not Facebookers. We're metamates. Okay? So, this is going to align with the new set of corporate values based on a big teammates. And so, we're going to, for instance, Facebook's slogan of move fast and break things is now move fast together. That's their new I mean, a slogan. So that's huge. So if you're a meta mate, you need to be ready to move fast together. That's incredible. I mean, poof. congratulations. Congratulations to Facebook for that. That's a, I mean, I'm sorry. Congratulations. Well, it, it is still Facebook, but I mean, the overall company is meta. So congratulations to meta mates. You guys are the best the best. I see where uh, the Twitter CEO, congratulations to uh, Parag Agrawal. Uh, he is now going to take a few weeks off. Uh, not because of anything Twitter has done. He's going to be on maternity leave. I'm sorry, paternity leave uh, with the birth of his second child. I know. He's just taking a few weeks. Uh, Twitter's standard 20 weeks of paid family leave. Wow. I need to work for Twitter. <laughs> I never even took time off after they, the day they were born. I think my my youngest child, uh, who is whew, now 14, when she was born, I actually did take the day off. But I called into the show I was a part of that morning after she was born. So I did it on the sly because uh, my wife was like, you got to take a day off. Because I didn't take it off when my oldest boy was born and I didn't take it off when my youngest son was born. I worked on the days that they were born. And they were they were born early in the morning. It was already done. It was a done deal. Everybody's sleeping. What am I? I got to go to work. And uh, so <laughs> there was that. Uh, there was that. Anyway, he's going to take, I mean, t working for Twitter, 20 weeks paid family leave so he's only taking a few weeks for paternity leave so he just said he wants to take time off to build a crib and support a, a support a floppy neck not sure what that means <laughs> support a floppy neck i'm not sure what that means now i have to find out oh it means i guess it means taking care of the kid uh, I guess babies have floppy necks. They absolutely do. I, I never heard it called that before, though. A kid is called a floppy neck. That's cute. That's a cute little thing there, Parag. 
I know that uh, I know that you guys all in the Silicon Valley, you metamates uh, Zuckerberg and uh, uh, Reddit guy, all took a few months of paid leave when their children were born. So that's special. I'm glad you guys have the whole, you know, paternity leave thing going on. And that's great. I know that, uh, I remember back in 2015, the Yahoo CEO, Marissa Mayer, she were, they were all mad at her cause she only took two weeks off after giving birth. Uh, yeah. And she worked throughout the time. Yeah. That's because that's what you do in real life. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, Elon might have slowed down, uh, you know, making uh, spaceships or something uh, in his birth, but because you keep going, okay? I know guys like Pete Buttigieg want to take paternity leave uh, to care for his newborn twins, (sighs) but he's a government official. He's supposed to work. Uh, Plus, if you didn't give birth, you, you're the one that needs to take the time off. I mean, well, they have to be together. It's a couple. They've got to be together. That's what you got to be there for each other. Okay. All right. I guess. Uh, apparently, the U.S. is the lone wealthy country that doesn't have a paid parental leave mandate. Yeah, because we work. That's what makes us the United States of America. Seven, according to this, and I find this hard to believe, but okay. Uh, 73% of U.S. adults support federal funding for paid family leave. 23% of civilian workers had access to, to it as of last March, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Oh, it's good. It's part of the Build Back Better plan uh, would have provided uh, four weeks if that would have made it through. Uh, So Build Back Better plan would have given you four weeks. So 23% of the civilian workplace have access to paid family leave. 73% don't believe we should have federal funding for paid family leave. Uh, uh, No, no, I don't. I would like, you know, hey, if you want to give me some free money, you go ahead. But it isn't really free, is it? It isn't really free, is it? <laughs> and I suppose I should comment on my uh, B story. Uh, well, I, the other day I talked about uh, the stolen bees in Pennsylvania, and they were saying that uh, you know one hive is sixty to eighty thousand bees. And I got an email. Uh, I got a couple emails, actually, <laughs> several emails at chewingthefatoftheblaze.com uh, talking about bees. And apparently a stack of four boxes, a stack of four boxes. Okay, that's not just one stack. That's a four boxes of the 10, right? Okay, so each box has 10, 10 honey bo- slides in there, right? So according to this, uh, my son is a beekeeper. You must be proud. Uh I'm sure you are just messing with you. Uh, there are indeed 60 to 80,000 bees in a stack of four boxes. Go look in and open a hive. It's an ama- it's amazing. Yeah, I don't need to I don't need to bother them. They're busy. They're doing their own stuff. It's okay. It's according to this uh, person, uh, it's surprisingly loud. Yeah, you know what? I just I'm good. I'm good. And I'll take your word for it because everything I get in email form is true. 
it just seems like a lot. And four boxes is not, I guess, I guess that is considered a hive. That's a high rise, four of the boxes on top of each other. So not just the, not just the one box. I got to talk to a beehiverist. I have to talk to a beehiverist. I just have to. And I know that, okay. All right. I know they're not called beehiverists. Okay. But I want to call them that. I don't want to call them that pear thing. What is it? They, they're a pearist or a pearist or whatever the heck they're called. No, they need to be called beehiverists. Okay. It's that simple. And so I'm trying to change the lexicon of the world here on Chewing the Fat. Okay. I don't want to call them the little pear thing. <laughs> I want to talk to a beehiverist and we're going to talk to one. Uh, shortly on this show. I'll tell you that right now. I want to talk to a, an actual beehiverist. Just, I have to. All right. And I'm going to leave you with, I've been thinking about this for several days now, and I'm just going to share it with you. Okay. So Jay Shetty, the author of uh, Think Like a Monk, and he's a, you know, he does a podcast on purpose, interviews some some big shot people. He's, um, you know, I guess a life coach and he's done a bunch of things, but I, I love, I love Jay. And, uh, he quoted this Charles Horton Cooley. This is the first time I've ever, I heard it was from Jay Shetty in an interview. And he was quoting this Charles Horton Cooley, who is an American sociologist, philosopher at the start of the 20th century. He was, I think in Michigan, I think at the University of Michigan, but his point about uh, how you think about yourself is so right on. And it's, it, it, I just, I'm going to leave it with you today just to leave you thinking about it, okay? I am not who you think I am. I am not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Think about it. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.